understanding of effort. Why is it harder to watch a physics lecture than Netflix? Why does a cognitively demanding activity like playing a video game create a pleasurable state of flow while math problems rarely feel that way? What makes something effortful? At first glance, these questions may seem too obvious to even ask. Of course, video games are less effortful than math problems. Video games are fun. Yet, I think an understanding of effort is supremely important. Many of the goals we want to accomplish will require a lot of it. And if we have the wrong theory for how it works, many of our systems will fail or otherwise be poorly designed. The failure of a theory. Unfortunately, until recently, I couldn't find a satisfying explanation of how effort works. The dominant model was Roy Baumeister's ego depletion theory. This argued that willpower was like a resource. Use it up, and you temporarily have none left. But, like a muscle, it could be strengthened. Yet ego depletion theory was a major casualty in the replication crisis. Baumeister's preferred explanation for the source of the resource, glucose, ended up being wildly implausible. So this is why I was so excited to read the paper, An Opportunity Cost Model of Subjective Effort and Task Performance by Robert Kurzban and others. They suggest a new way of thinking about effort in terms of opportunity costs. So reading from the abstract, specifically, Certain computational mechanisms, especially those associated with executive function, can be deployed for only a limited number of simultaneous tasks at a given moment. Consequently, the deployment of these computational mechanisms carries an opportunity cost. That is, the next best use to which these systems might be put. We argue that the phenomenology of effort can be understood as the felt output of these cost-benefit computations. In turn, the subjective experience of effort motivates reducing deployment of these computational mechanisms in the service of the present task. The idea here is that the brain has many different functional centers. The part at the back of your head, for instance, called the occipital lobe, processes vision. At the sides, there is audio processing and language comprehension. And a lot of these functional centers are more or less single purpose. Your visual cortex can process input from your eyes, but it can't suddenly switch to help you with hearing something better in case you're in a dark room and want to devote more mental bandwidth to listening to an audiobook, for instance. On the other hand, the frontal cortex, which includes centers believed to control central executive processing, is more flexible. It also makes connections through the basal ganglia, similar to the motor loop, which suggests that it may also be partly responsible for the experience of thoughts happening one at a time. Kurzban and his co-authors argue that since the executive has many possible uses, it would be adaptive to have a system that ensures it is being applied only to the most valuable activities. This experience of the cost and benefits of using this flexible resource would manifest itself as effort. So when the current activity doesn't feel like a good use of your limited mental bandwidth, you feel like doing something else, like daydreaming or playing with your phone. Computer time sharing versus fuel tank metaphors. While ego depletion is like a fuel tank, 
opportunity costs are more like computer time sharing. The computer resources don't get depleted or used up, but they are constrained. And thus effort would be the experience that what's occupying your executive processing just isn't worth it. So if you're like me and you remember when computers were slow, you have had the experience of trying to do something with a computer that's running a major background process, like a backup, a virus scan, or rendering operation. You want to play a game or watch a movie, but the game you want to play depends on the same computational resources as the background process. So you have to decide whether to shut it off or wait until it is finished. This paper argues for a similar process, except that these opportunity costs are experienced as effort rather than conscious decisions to allocate resources. Applying this model of effort to your goals. So what does this model of effort say about striving that a resource theory gets wrong? I can think of a number of important implications. First, effort depends on alternatives. How effortful something feels will depend on what it is being compared against. Thus, it's more effortful to work with your smartphone nearby, and thus cueing you to the possibility of quickly going on Instagram, than it would be if that cue wasn't present. This suggests to me an alternative mechanism for why habits can become easier. Since habits, in the sense of a completely automated behavior, don't really apply to complex routines like working out or studying, it's an open question of how effortless they can become. However, if we see effort as a comparison of alternatives, one thing habits provide is a reduced salience of those possible alternatives. Thus, studying a math problem is much more effortful when, in moments similar to that one, you often play video games or surf the internet instead. Their salience is high, and thus the opportunity cost of continued studying is high too. 2. Willpower depends on reward. The opportunity cost model has similar implications to Robert Eisenberg's learned industriousness theory. Eisenberg's theory was that when you get rewarded for effortful activity, the experience of effort itself becomes less unpleasant, and thus you are more likely to choose high-reward, high-effort activities over low-reward, low-effort ones. In an opportunity-cost framework of effort, we can increase our self-control by learning that certain actions yield positive results. The authors give the example of a smoker resisting temptation a few times and thus giving evidence that this is an effective strategy, and thus making it more likely that they'll resist temptation in the future. If persistence on a difficult math problem pays off with finally understanding it, you'll find it easier to persist through frustration in the future. 3. Discipline is specific, not general. Both the resource and opportunity cost theories of effort suggest our capacity for willpower may be improved, but they critically imply different ways that this might come about. So resource theories suggest that the capacity is like a muscle, and thus training on general purpose disciplining activity will increase the capacity for any kind of activity that requires self-control. An opportunity cost theory, in contrast, suggests that what is learned when increasing self-discipline is the reward contingencies for certain activities. So if you can establish that a certain activity is rewarding compared to alternatives, over time it will become less effortful. The contrast between these two theories reminds me of the contrast between formal discipline in education and the notion that acquired skills are quite specific. In both cases, the intuitive but ultimately false theory was that the mind was like a muscle with general purpose training effects. 
If the opportunity cost theory is true, then it isn't like that. Willpower depends heavily on learning the value of activities, which will be much more specific. Now, I don't want to go overboard with this analogy, however. It's certainly possible that some kind of high-level idea of discipline might be able to operate between tasks and context. So something like a rule which says, I always stick to my goals, and then this rule itself becomes more powerful as it is reinforced. Yet the theory does suggest to me a different way of thinking about improving your self-discipline generally. Once again, doing the real thing seems to matter, and bulk training on a relevant activity seems to be less effective. I'm optimistic that further experiments will validate at least some of the ideas in this theory, which seem much more plausible than the resource theory it supersedes. Yet there are also complexities that need to be sorted out. So for instance, if effort is opportunity cost, why do tasks become more effortful the longer we persist at them? My own experience suggests that this might be due to social factors. So you look at the clock and you see you've been working for an hour and say, well, that's enough. Other motivational researchers argue that motivation itself is a balance between driving and consumatory forces. Still, the resource model made the decreasing persistence on tasks an immediate consequence, while in this theory it's a little bit more complicated. As go with paradigm shifts, some features become central ones to be explained, while others are explained away. What explains the two task experiments where effort on a first task resulted in reduced performance on a second task? So the author suggests here that it might be because, in experiments, subjects feel a certain social obligation to perform. Expending effort on the first task would seem to meet that obligation, after which there is less incentive to continue on the second task. Still, it would be nice to see follow-up experiments that look at this more closely. Why are many valuable activities effortful. So if effort is a seemingly rational process of assessing opportunity costs, then why are so many useful activities, exercise, studying, working, effortful, well, seemingly useless ones are so fun? Evolutionary mismatch might explain some of the discrepancy, but in other cases, it might simply be that our motivational hardware is less sensitive to the kinds of long-range benefits that come from working hard. How does this notion of effort tie into other experiences? So physical fatigue, boredom, and sleepiness seem to relate to effort. And if this theory holds for mental effort, I'd like to know how other experiences we associate with strain interact. Exercise seems to improve cognitive performance, for instance, but being physically exhausted usually makes it harder to sustain on mental tasks. Effort is something we all know intimately, yet the precise causes are often mysterious. I'm excited by this theory because it seems to shed light on something that, perhaps because it is so close to our experience, we have a harder time understanding. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website at scotthyoung.com.